and welcome to episode 241 of Laps Game Radio. I'm your host, Mark, and joining me tonight is Nick and Andy. How you doing, gentlemen? Hello. Good, thanks. Good. How are you? Nick is is uh, graciously joining us back in the f- in 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 the, the fleshy human world. It's terrible. I've spent the last week <laughs> in uh, virtual reality, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in a bit. How you doing, Andy? You haven't been on the show in a while. No, well, I have been on the show, but I haven't been on one of these played shows well, for a long time. That's true. I tried to block out the last episode you were on because we did a boring film. Yeah, well, what <coughs> it wasn't great, we... was it? Oh, Resident Evil. Yeah. yeah. Better than some of the films we've watched. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> to be fair. I'm not going to reopen that argument. <laughs> um so I'm guessing, yeah, it's been a while since you've been on gameplay games played episode. So I'm guessing you have a grip of games to talk about. Um, yep. Before we get into it, though, something came up on Twitter this evening, and Ooh. I want to get you guys' read on it. Do you mean X? Um, no, I mean Twitter. So this guy called uh, Mike Rose, who works for uh, No More Robots, um, who are a game publisher, a little indie game publisher. Video game label. Um, they put out a game called Spirit Tea, um, a rural life uh, RPG on Switch, Steam, and Game Pass. Came out on um, November 13th, so exactly 10 days ago, um, as a date of recording. And um, so he tweeted out this evening. Uh, it's time for a classic micro stats tweet thread. Uh, this time it's Spirit T launch week stats. Uh, we launched Spirit T last Monday and it's been one of the biggest launches to date. And then it's, he just put up an at glance. It's like $1 million in sales during week one, 150,000 players across PC, Switch, and Game Pass. Profitable on day one. Week one profits are three times the game's development costs. Top sellers chart in all regions on Nintendo eShop. A solo developer project with plenty of updates to come. Lovely, lovely stuff. We love to see it. Hey. Uh, all power to good, nice little indie developers. And he said, It's been a fascinating launch due to where the game has been most successful. Usually we do very well on Steam. Then the console versions catch up in the months afterwards. For Spirit T, Steam was our weakest platform with Xbox and Switch accounting for 80% of the revenue. I think the reason for this is at least in part due to the way that the Steam store has evolved in the last couple of years compared to the console stores. Way more AAA publishers have started popping their stuff on Steam, having failed to make non-Steam PC, uh, PC platforms happen. Which, yes, Ubisoft's launcher fucking sucks. The EA launcher sucks. Um, GOG Galaxy, Epic. I love it. It sucks. Um, all of the all the non-Steam launchers, they they suck because. Yep. They just haven't been doing it as long as Valve, and they haven't got as good a, like UX people as Valve do. Yeah, I mean they've like Steam's literally been there for twenty years now. Yeah. Um, in turn, Steam has become more AAA heavy, which means that there are more eyeballs on the bigger releases and less for the smaller releases. Mm-hmm. On console, the playing field remained pretty much the same. In fact, there's less AAA on Switch since the Switch can't really handle newer AAA. Uh, so it launched Spirit T, easily moved into the top seller st- charts on the Switch, and has stayed there. Uh, this means that while the Steam sales have begun to naturally drop, Switch sales are staying solid as people are discovering the game more through the top sellers. On Xbox Game Pass, 
On Xbox Game Pass has, as usual, been huge for us. Spirit T was actually meant to launch in 2022, but after we got a Game Pass deal, we decided, hey, let's make this thing even better, even bigger and better, hence the delay into 2023 and the 100 plus hours of content. Over 100,000 people have played the game on Game Pass in the last week. Now, this is where the thing gets interesting. We've heard plenty of people say that they bought the game on Steam or Switch after playing the Game Pass version. So once again, Rick, you've got experience for us. A hugely noticeable thing that happened during this launch was that we got absolutely zero YouTube coverage at all. Go to Spirit T on YouTube and you'll see there's just a couple of big videos. Nearly every YouTuber who got back at us wanted money to make a video. Now look, I get it. That's just how this works. Now YouTubers want you to pay them to cover your games. All right, sure. But I just don't want to do that. It feels weird and icky and disingenuous and I just can't do it. So I guess our games won't get covered on YouTube anymore. Of course, the fact that we still managed the $1 million launch without any influencer support makes me think what could we have achieved if we did pay some people. So maybe I'll be forced into it in the future. But God, I just really don't want to. It's so fucking ugh. Uh, anyway, that's about it. And he like, wraps up. Now, that particular segment of the thread about paying influencers has been a rather dogpiled on to the point where Mike Razor had to come out and say, Hey, everyone, I've really fucked up here and I'm massively sorry. I've been reading your comments and replies and it's clear that I've completely missed the mark. I absolutely value the work that YouTubers and content creators do and my words didn't reflect that at all. I'm going to be reading loads more on all this and get uh, better educated so I can be less of a dickhead in the future. I don't, I don't, I want to get your take on, on this because I don't think, I think he was absolutely right and like should not have been browbeaten into stepping down, into, into backing down on this. Yeah. So, so has he just been attacked for say, for saying it's terrible how um, YouTube He doesn't feel expect, comfortable. Yeah. YouTube doesn't expect feel... people to pay them to talk to about games them. pay them for them to then play their games on their platform fuck no. no see now i always thought now i understand youtubers like the the platform the 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 the, the, the marketplace has changed there's more eyes on 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 youtubers and twitch streamers than has ever been before but there are more content creators than it ever have been before and yep. the ad revenue share is like shit than it ever has been yeah. but the big creators do they get their sponsored content from one of the people who was having a go and was like saying like this ain't it chief was uh i'm gonna can't find it now uh was someone who is a um uh who, who who's like a, a community one of the community people for apex legends oh it's like well yeah because you're part of ea EA can absolutely fucking afford to pay yeah. for some sponsored YouTube content. These are this is an indie developer, like yeah. a one person team that he saved for, for this game, uh, being pushed out by uh, like a small indie publisher. There, that's it's not the same situation at all. Fair enough, I understand YouTubers take sponsorship deals from big game AAA publishers and whatnot, but to expect that indie developers also have to pay. In order for you to just play their game, um, show it off to your community. Uh, what's the? Is that how it works now? I guess they, well, that's they what it was like. It, I guess they treat it <clears throat> as advertising now, rather than like ten years ago with indie games on YouTube. Again, we're going back, you know, a generation here, but. 
YouTube has played indie games because random indie games that they didn't get paid for or anything. They just thought it was cool. And that was kind of where content was back back then, like mm-hmm. 10 years ago. But now I guess there's such a sort uh, everything's moved on and there's such a economy around it that now the YouTubers who earn mega bucks because this is what's happened now mm. expect people to pay them because they get paid for playing Apex Legends and shit. Yeah, a, a lot of the people were being like were were being like really um I don't want to say pearl clutchy about it, but like being like, how dare you ask content creators to uh, promote your game for free? It's like, that's not what the relationship was as I understood it. Um, I always thought it was like content creators would reach out to developers if they saw a game that looked interesting, the sort of thing that they would want to show off to their their, um, Community. community. They get a free code for the game. They get content for their for their uh their youtube channel they get to play a game early usually or whatever yeah. uh and in return they get ad revenue yeah from the from the people watching their videos yeah that's yeah. how i thought it worked but he's like it's it's amazing it's just this this endless list of 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 uh content creators and and people who work for other video game companies being like no this ain't it chief I guess the and, problem uh, is now, though, like the the big publishers have latched onto YouTube as an advertising stream. So, yeah, because they'll have said, "Hey, we're going to pay you to play our game." That's now what mm-hmm. is expected. Yeah. So Enough. then, if that's the case, then then content creators, these content creators, should stop calling themselves content creators and start calling themselves advertisers. Oh yeah, uh, advertising well, platforms. I'm going to declare Hashtag that. Ad. Um, if it's if the corner, it will say like sponsored content, uh, or um, in the cap, or in the. But that's usually well. like that's usually when like oh this this video has been sponsored by uh, Raid Nord Shadow VPN. Legends or whatever the fuck, NordVPN or something like that. Yeah. Um, other VPN providers just, are of course available, uh, but none of them are as good. The reason I I, I saw it was um, who was it I saw posted the tweet uh from what's his name from shut up and sit down matt lee's quins yeah matt lee's what's he tweeting about it uh reactions to this are a firm reminder that 2014 was always bullshit and that we're now on the cusp of an intellectual brainworm dark age i can't help but feel like media literacy skills and general critical thinking Hasn't been aided by a generation growing up watching grimly vapid self-serving content creators who reaped pure reward without any oversight. At the same time, who can blame younger folks for engaging with reality in such a meaningless and nihilistic way? I get it, shit sucks. So it's all very well for me to want others to care about craft and passion and intent in art, but I can appreciate that right now that's a luxury. In the meantime, can people chill out and try to make the world less shit? Cheers. Yeah. I think think the guy's entitled to his opinion. Why can't he just say the system as it is is crap, and I don't feel comfortable about doing it? He's well yeah. entitled to his opinion. He's he well says a- all. He, yeah, that's the thing. He said in this in the thread that like, and they may, something they may have to do in the future because yeah. they possibly would have had like a you know bigger week one sales or whatever if if they had done that. But he's just saying it's something I don't feel comfortable doing. That's yeah. all, and people are jumping on him to the yeah. point where he's had to put out an apology post. 
Should have the apology. Uh, you know. But if we remember this the fucking whole, website was a mistake. The whole thing is basically remember magazines used to you know, go off and do these previews. You'd read about it in the magazine mm-hmm. back in the day in the day and then you you have previews about it and then, or then the websites we'd have previews about it, you know. And now mm-hmm. it's totally changed. You know, I know like for all the Kickstarters that particular board games the board game companies will pay these um, content, you know, reviewers and stuff to review the game. They'll send them a prototype, you know, and they'll do a little review for the game for money. It's part of a Kickstarter thing because you try. Yeah, to I know that's, I know that's how that's always been the way. Like uh, print <clears throat> magazines, like I'm sure, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that like Edge magazine get like a kickback for. Um, well, they they will there'll there'll be some monetary incentive for mm. them making a particular game, the cover game for that month or whatever. Yeah, because yeah, a lot of people still buy that magazine. It's it's good PR, and like, who doesn't want to be an Edge front cover? Um, do you think we could pay to be the Edge this, front cover? I don't think we could afford it. I, Have we got a I game? Chip in a tenner. <laughs> but I think it is also be, they'd, they'd be like, okay, that's very nice of you to give us this money. We can't justify some random podcast being an edge front cover. That's what I mean. We could be we could be the first non-game to be the edge front cover. I think there's been a couple of non-games. Ah, forget I it. I think. Um. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Sorry. Yeah, but I, I just felt there's like a difference between that and like. And then it just seems we've crossed the line now to work to the point where, like, you have to pay me for me to champion your little yeah. indie game. Yeah. And if Rather you deride than it. I'm going to show off this cool little indie game that, that I found. Yeah. yeah. And I just don't like the fact that you derided for having that opinion. He's well entitled to that opinion. He's well entitled to say, yeah. I don't like it. don't want to pay for it. And he's done well without paying for it. So it, it shows that yep. there is a model out there. Yep. Where you don't have to pay for YouTube content. And possibly the reason he's getting dogpiled on because he's actually promoted the idea of saying, well, you don't actually need YouTube content providers to be a success. Mm. Yep. So they might, they might just need Game Pass. Of... Just need, uh... oh, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's not Pass just Game Pass as well. Like, if they're like, yeah. uh, it, it's, it makes me. Uh, happy to see that they're doing such a good deal on the, a good, good amount of business on the Switch because um, yeah. sometimes I find that like finding stuff the the Switch store has become like the Wii store did just like uh, it's just full of um, I don't know what you call it the um, like it just you know millions and millions of of um, cheap like uh mobile game ports and stuff like that yeah like yeah it's full oh, of yeah, yeah. trash games so like content creation curation could be quite bad on there but they also but they but they do do a good job of promoting indie games on their like um their weekly highlight page or whatever mm-hmm. on the store i suppose that's, so I'm guessing that's what they've done there well it was highlighted about at least five years ago on Steam now is the amount of new games each day since they removed the Steam green light, um, uh-huh. which are added to Steam is growing like exponentially. So that yeah. even if you're a brand new game, 
you're only going to be on the front page for minutes. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, <laughs> if you were on the front page of Steam, that was like big news and you were going to get yeah. whenever anyone Unless went to Steam you're... that day. Unless you're heavily discounted or a triple A game. Yeah. Or a double A with a big publisher money or whatever. Yeah. Or incredibly and that publisher is having a sale at the moment. Yeah, or incredibly um you know, big in other streams of advertising or hype, I suppose. Um But yeah, it's just like there's hundreds of games every day released on Steam, so there's no curation. It's kind of become what you were just talking about where, where, you know, it's, I'm not saying every game on Steam is terrible and, uh, you know, crappy mobile game port, but certainly shovelware. That's what they called it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. it's a lot harder to find genuinely like new gem games from just steam. Now you'd have to find out about them from other platforms first and go and hunt them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, curation on there is is terrible. Um, same as on the Switch, so it's it's good that it's doing well on the Switch at least. Uh, I didn't. I like I've seen it pop up on my Xbox uh, because it's in Game Pass. Um, I haven't. I didn't even see it on Steam, and I've been on there every day for the last yeah week. So, so I'm just looking now <sighs> in 2022. There were 10,644 mm-hmm. games released on Steam. Wow. Fucking hell. It's almost a thousand a month. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's stupid. You can't keep, you can't keep it's it. It's impossible to keep it. You, no, and like, and they, they're obviously not really bothered about, you know, paying people to curate it i guess i don't know i don't know whether they do or not because like the on the whole when you when you look at a game um in the store or or like uh, the, the store will like highlight games that it thinks you will like based on the stuff that you've played yeah yeah uh and it's usually quite good but i don't know whether that's just an algorithm or not i don't know i've never found i don't know because they have the discovery queue Yes. I've never really found that has shown me anything that I didn't already know about. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It always feels very safe guesses. Like, oh, you've played some Call of Duty. How about playing Apex Legends? You know what I mean? It's it's, it's <laughs> very... <laughs> um, It doesn't seem to go very niche, I suppose, is what I'm saying. If I how do I even get to my discovery queue when the sale's on? Oh, discovery queue. Here we go. So, uh, <laughs> of course, the first the first one in the queue I've never heard of is a game called Lethal Company. Uh, right. Co-op horror about scavenging abandoned moons to hell scrap to sell scrap to the company. How did you get to your discovery? Uh, you go into your store and then click on recommendations discovery store. Oh. Your store. All right. Let's go, Ricky. Blight here. So, okay. So, Lies of P. Big game. Lethal Company is the first one that came up for me. Interesting. Arc Survival Ascended. Football Manager Uh, 2024. I got uh, FC 24. I got Diablo 4. Uh, Arc Survival Ascended. Train Sim World 4. 
Starfield. EA Sports FC 24. Yeah, I had that one. Uh, Lords of the Fallen. Coral Island. Football Manager. City Skylines 2. I just got Train Sim World. <laughs> oh my god, it thinks we're the, like... same, we're the same person. Yeah. Big games. Big games. <laughs> okay, I didn't expect this. Oh Plus... my word. I Plus didn't want to see cover. that. That's not like. That's just like. Okay. Why is it recommending? It's being paid by big companies. Almost like. Yeah, it's recommending Hogwarts Legacy to me, and I have absolutely no interest in that whatsoever. Yikes! But like, what games have you played which lead it to think that you would be interested in Hogwarts Legacy? I third-person action adventure games. Yeah. Baldur's Gate. All I can think of. Well played. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I just wanted to get your your take on on that because I I, I don't know. I think it's a uh, I think he's absolutely got a point, uh, yep, and I think it's a shame that that he's been that he's been shouted down about it. Um. Anyway, let's move on to talking about what we've been playing. Uh, Andy, like I said like we alluded, alluded yes. to it's been a while since you've been on for a games played episode. So it let has. us know what have you been playing. Uh, shit, loads of games. Right, I'll go through the list. I can't remember if I talked about this or not. I think I, think I looked today when there's a few minutes. The last time I was on the games played was May. I think it was. Soon, first Fucking game. Hell. I think did I talk about Strange Brigade? I, mean, I have talked mentioned it a few times, but me and my brother. We've Strange talked Brigade. about it before. Um, I played a played it a bit, uh, yeah. and wasn't taken by it really. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Probably the theme of it being like a set in Indiana Jones type world and with zombies and I'd played their previous game, the Nazi one. <sighs> Nazi zombies. Um Strange Bears. Oh, yeah, I've only played like the um the straight up um Sniper Elite games. Those are the ones the only ones I've played. Yeah. Yeah, I think we'll have to get to those. Rebellion was that funny thing where they are like almost that B type of publisher, double A type of publisher, and they release these mm-hmm. games. And I know with uh, is it Zombie Army Four, which I'll eventually get to. Um, that's got like a couple of seasons. This one seemed to have one expansion pass, and then it seemed to just die. Which is a shame because, in many ways, it's got some really nice, neat ideas. Basically, go through all these caverns, fight zombies, loads of traps available, you know, multiple routes, solve puzzles if you so choose, up to four people together. Uh, it was just me and my brother. And it can be quite tough. Um, so, one of the unique things was that if one of you dies, as long as one of you is surviving, you're going to have to get them out. When you die, you go into straight into the sarcophagus, and the other person has to rush to the sarcophagus to get you out. Um, and if you can get you out, you know you go back up to full health and you are out again, and you're running around. It was just a lot of fun. I just found it a lot of fun. Me and my brother, we you know some of the areas was quite tough. We felt maybe one or two more players would probably would have been a good little ba- balancing out the um, the level difficulty of it. But overall, really fun. Then we went on to play the expansion pass. So yeah, really enjoyed it. Um, you can pick it up for like three, four quid. Um, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. I'm not um, going to but... though. Like I said, I, I 
I played uh, a bit of it and and I I I thought the shooting felt a bit shonky. Which yeah, is strange yeah. because it feels fine in the Sniper Elite games. Yeah. I think maybe they've done it a bit like that, you know, because there's a variety of weapons you can get, you know, as special weapons. Maybe they felt made it a bit looser, you know, because it is set in like the 1930s um, type thing and you're fighting... So Sniper Elite. True. Uh, True. I don't know. I found it fun, you know. Yeah. You know, so I enjoyed that. Um... Next game. Hey, um, if you enjoyed it, that's all that matters, Andy. That's all that matters, isn't it? The next game, mm-hmm. I, came, I borrowed my brother's Xbox. I got him a modded Xbox a few years ago. He hadn't been really using it, so I thought I'd take it back. You know, have a go at it. And I loaded it up and um, quite fancied playing an arcade game from the 80s. Um, beat him up, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. Um, so this was a franchise uh, a comic book franchise in the late 80s or so. Um, I don't know if it was a, became a cartoon, um, but it became an arcade game. Basically, Street Fighter, Streets, Streets of Rage-esque. You battle your way through various levels, fighting dinosaurs um, with about three characters, and you get to drive a Cadillac on some of the levels. It was a lot of fun. Um, I just mm. soloed that myself. I think it was about two hours. But it just one of those like palette cleansers, you know, you just go through uh, you know, play it and just have a lot of fun with it at the arcade. The Xbox, you know, played really well with it. Um then alongside that, um, before I went away to Ireland I picked up the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles pack of games that were released on the various consoles. You know, mm-hmm. it was about 13 games um, going from the original arcade game, the Nintendo um, Entertainment, the NES games up to, I think, I don't know. I haven't really fully explored it. But me and uh, my daughter, Francis, we played the arcade game, um, the original. That is brilliant. You know, mm-hmm. that is just a lot of fun. Fighting your way through once again, Streets of Rage esque. The emulation is perfect on the um, played on the PS4. Um, up to three, I think it's two or three people. If you've been able to play it online as well, you've got online leaderboards. But we've only played that one out of all the games that are available. But brilliant, that, that is once again a lot of fun. Then Play completed Spyro Three. Um, that was part of the Activision um, pack that was released a few years ago. I was saying for something else, that sold fifteen million. That is a really hell of a lot. Of, yeah, yeah, something like that. Really massive seller for them. I think it just keeps on selling. You know, free games, and I think I've seen it regularly for about six, seven quid, which is mm-hmm. really good value the way it's been remastered and stuff. Yeah, with the second one, I had some problems with him not telling you basically what was so important about certain items that you had to pick up, and then basically locking the end of game boss behind these number of orbs, and then having to go back through the game 
and play it for hours and lock it all this. This time I was ready for it. <laughs> so as I was going through the game, I was unlocking all these orbs. So I did look it up and said, oh yes, you need all these to, I think it was a hundred of them, to unlock the end of game boss. Um, Francis really loved it, um, partly because I think her gaming skills are improving. Um, also, it had, unlike the previous two, different range of characters. Um, you get to play a penguin who flops around, fires missiles. You get to play um, a snowman, an abominable snowman. You get to play a kangaroo jumping around on various some levels. There's a lot more variety in it. Um, once again, the controls are really good. The remaster is really good. I just felt it. Like it was a lot better than the second one in terms of progression and how you were getting through the game. Um, highly recommend that if you can pick it up. I mean, so much so that unless they announce a new pack of games, remastered games, I think from the PS2, um, I might just have to go back to the PS2 version games that were released on that system and pick them up from CX. Um, I know they're not as good as the classic ones, but Francis has really enjoyed playing through the Spyro stuff and Sozuna. She's having a little mm. pick now and then. So yeah, highly recommended. Um, the, the, the bosses were a lot easier as well. Mm. There was more of a pattern to them. I don't know whether they changed it themselves or the developers from the original game may recognise what they'd done with two, maybe gone too far and left the young mm. ones. This time they did sort of bring it back to them, and mm. I felt it was a lot more easier, you know, a lot more straightforward with the game itself. And the levels were shorter, um, rather than the length of the length of the second one. Mm. So overall, yeah, that was really good. It's been it's been a while since I played any anything more than the first one because they they did their re-release uh, a year or so ago. Um. On modern consoles, the Spyro yeah. trilogy, I think. Was it all three yeah. games? I can't remember. Yeah, it was. Um, I, uh, I need to go back and and play some more of it. Uh, it was I just I was just nicking Zoe's copy of it, but um, Spyro's the of those old three D platformers. That's the one that I th- I've, I had the most fondness for, and it's the one that I I I think has held up the best. Yeah, uh, I can't speak for all of them. The only other one I played was when they remastered Crash Bandicoot, and I played it, and it fucking sucked. Uh, really did not get on with it at all. But Spyro, Spyro still kind of slaps. Yeah, I think the problem with Crash Bandicoot is quite linear, isn't it? Crash Bandicoot in terms of it's not really a three D world, while Spyro is a proper three D world. It's um, nothing to do with that. I don't mind linear. Um, uh, platformers it's it just didn't feel good to play yeah yeah spyro does the remaster is good you know um mm-hmm. i wish it changed certain things for, for the second one but we didn't we got through it um but yeah i'm gonna pick up the later ones i know they're not as good but i will give that a go um i also played my halloween game I went back to Costume Quest, the DLC for the first game. Um, Quest for mm-hmm. the Grubbins. That was a great game, Costume Quest. 
Um, I replayed it a few years ago the first one, then I'll probably go to the second one soon. Um, essentially, it is a turn-based game. Um, you go around um, in this term, in terms of this game, the story starts off where you're in your world and you go to the monster world um, and it's almost like you are helping a revolt against the leader of the monsters. Um, you're part of a revolution here. Um, you go around in a monster village, um, exploring away, knocking on doors, and as you knock on doors, you're either faced with somebody who help, gives you some treats, or you're faced with someone who fights you, um, as the case may be. As you explore the world, you pick up bits of costumes, and you're able to use these costumes, um, wear them, and then fight when you come to battles and wear them. So you start off with a robot costume um, in the first one. But you get various costumes. Not as many, it's not as long. It's only two hours long, the DLC. It was just a nice little length. Um, Francis enjoyed it as well. Um, so much so that I went off to find the TV show. And we've been watching the TV show. There's two seasons on Amazon Prime. Um, we did. Of it, okay, quite good. Um, but it's just a nice little game, you know. It's not, I wouldn't say the tactics are de- in depth, but for young players and lapsed gamers, it just eases you into that world of you know, turn based, um, role playing type of game. You know, you are you are improving yourself, but. You can also change your costumes, and you can be more effective if you you know if you want the robot, if you want a different one, um, a cowboy or whatever it is, or a spaceman or a knight. You know, if you want to be more defensive, he puts a shield up. Um, you there's a special attack which builds up. You're not going to be able to use it every single round of of battle like you fight, but overall, yeah, lots of fun. I'm looking forward to playing the second one. Um, I've, the other game I've completed, which uh, this is, yeah, I've been complaining about it in the chat. Doom Eternal. Okay. So this, as is an FPS by ID, um, who are owned by Bethesda, who are owned by Microsoft. Um, you are the Slayer. Who they seem to add a bit more of a background to, where right? you are, you were once on the demon side, then you went to the earth human side, and now you're the humans, and you're this legendary slayer, and basically everyone's scared of you. But there's some other other beings. I don't know. It seems to put a very convoluted story onto a very simple game, uh, which is basically shoot everything that tries to murder you. The good. The shooting mechanics are brilliant. The weapons you get, the BFG, the shotgun, um, the lasers, the missiles, um, all that's in play. Um, Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Can't really fault the shooting of it. Um, They've made it harder, um, the developers, intentionally. Um, because one of the things you can do in this is if you get your chainsaw and you um, cut them in half 
um, you will be able to pick up health. No, sorry, so you pick up weapons, ammo for your weapons. If you hit them and they're flashing blue, that's where you can get health from them. But they've intentionally made yeah, it the a same little as, bit um, harder. Yeah, the same as doing 2016, right? Yeah, it's that same mechanic, but they've made it harder. And the thing they've mm-hmm. done, which absolutely pissed me off and annoyed me to buggery, they've put in the, tra- the traversing, the jumping, and some of it is just atrocious in terms of what you're asking you to do. Um, That's what turned me off about because because uh, this one reviewed not as well as Doom 2016. Uh, not overall, not not a huge drop off, but certain outlets whose opinions uh, and commentators whose opinions I value kind of shit on it a bit, uh, and so I never bothered checking it out. And, and one of the reasons they didn't like it is the first person traversal stuff because nobody likes first person platforming. Uh, only one game has ever been episode fuck you know how much i love destiny and i I keep cramming that into every single dungeon and raid they put in that game the (laughs) only game that has ever gotten first person platforming right is mirror's edge yeah um every other game i've played that 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 tried to do that it did and 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 even that was just like straight but it was just parkour it wasn't like full-on grapple hook traversal stuff which is what's in doom eternal I saw footage of that and I was just like, no, this is going to be full of some first-person platforming sections that are going to frustrate me to the point of, of rage quitting, so I, I won't yeah. I won't bother because life is too short and my blood pressure is too high. Yeah, there is a lot. I mean, I almost quit the game a number of times. So what I'll say, the early part of the game is tough and then the middle part of the game is really easy. They seem to mm-hmm. drop the tra- traversing. And then the end of the game is a pain in the ass. Again. Um, but it's not just like simple traversing. It's not just like jumping from one point to another. You've got some traversing areas where you have to jump and you have to hit... What we used to have in certain open world games, especially where it's like a, it pushes you on. You know, it's like a you, you get into this like warp type of tunnel and it, that pushes you on further. And then you have to press another button to jump up a bit, and then you have to push another button on to hold on to a piece of um, scenery or a building. Some of them will have where you can't, like usual traversing points, you can't stay there long. Otherwise, the thing will drop, and you'll drop with it. So it's not as if you're trying to look where to go. And some of you're looking around, you go, where am I meant to go? Uh, I'm dead. You know? So you have always having to keep an eye out where the points are. And others will be like asking you to shoot a button as you're jumping and then do another mid, mid-air jump so you get through the space where the door was, the door that's opened. It was just so, so frustrating. Now, mm. To mitigate it, and I don't know what the criteria is for this, that it happened to me once, where if you cannot do the traversal jumps, it will basically 
push you forward so you don't have to do it. So there's a system in place where you can activate it um, as part of their um, quality of life, you know, um, options, where if you cannot do a traversal um, jumps, it will just push you on to the next bit. So you, don't, you, you just skip it. However, I okay. don't know how many times you, you, you have to die. Is it 10, 15? Mm-hmm. It just seemed arbitrary. That for... feels like an acknowledgement that they fucked up. Yes. And that, that, sec- that, and that the traversal stuff isn't fun. Because yeah. not even Bungie do that. Not even Bungie let you skip the traversal sections. Yeah. So, but like I said, I don't know about arbitrary. But those, they also introduced a mechanic where if you're dying in combat, some of the combats are really, really tough, that mm-hmm. you will get a special suit if you die a certain number of times. You yeah, it's this. like the... Um... It's like the gold tanuki suit that you get in um, one of the Mario games. You die right. enough times, they give you a gold tanuki suit that basically makes you invincible yeah. for a while. Yeah, it's this is it. You lose energy, but you're not on health, but you're not losing it as quick as you would do otherwise, which was mm-hmm. useful because it helped me beat certain bosses and stuff. And, you know, I've made use of that quite a few times. So I think the director intentionally made it hard and then I think through playtesting realised, oh, bollocks. People can't, even the playtesters can't do this. We'll have to put this into play. Um, but mm-hmm. I don't know how many times you have to die. It's not clear. It's not It's not just saying, just say, right, you die five times, we'll push you on. It just seems different for different parts of the game. Where maybe it's based on time. Like five times. Maybe I don't know because I have if no was, idea. Uh, if it was just how many times you die, then surely people would just die five times to get past it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But then again, if it's based on, I don't know. I have no idea. It certainly, if you want for those little pushes, pushes that you get. I certainly would have completed it. Um, I mean, I loved Doom 2016. I think it was one of my number one games, one of the games of the year. It might have been 2017 or 2018. I loved this. I can't, in all honesty, recommend this to anyone, you know, or even recommend it to a lapsed gamer because the amount of frustration you get from it is just immense. And, you know, I've quit. And came back to it, you know, a few days later, and got get past the certain bits. It's just, you know, with a le- recent leak of Bethesda, you know, they're going to do a new one. I just hope they take a long, hard look and say, we just can't put this traversing in, or we can't just make it as difficult as it is. Because whatever happens, uh, if they do, if they do make a, a third one, the soundtrack's going to suck. Because yeah. um, they have burned all of their bridges with Mick Gordon. Yep. Other? Oh, right. yeah. Big style. I'm just looking now, though. Like, just looking purely at Open Critic, Doom Eternal scored yeah. better than the Doom. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, um, uh, there's, there's critic like. Critic average and critics recommend. 
Yeah, but there's like this outliers, uh, like Eurogamer gave it like three out of five, I think. Um, Euro- and Eurogamer didn't do re- scores at that time. I think on uh, Open Critic is still listed as a three out of five, though. Not, uh, maybe. From, correctly. It was just no recommendation um, they've put, but I don't yeah, know what that equates to in the numbering. I don't know. Um, but that means they didn't. Uh, it's not because uh, they have like they had like recommended and essential, didn't they? And it didn't even qualify for either of those if they didn't give it anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, I remember like Gerstmann and people like that who were just gushing about um, uh, Doom twenty sixteen had issues with it. Um, with Gerstmann still at Giant Bomb then? Yes. Giant Bomb would have been around by then. Yeah. 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 It was. It's twenty. Yeah, Brad, Brad reviewed it Eternal yeah. for Giant Bomb and gave it four out of five. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. I said, the shooting aspect of it is brilliant. The weapons, the battles are fun, mm. even though sometimes frustrating. You know, the story, whatever, you know, the unlocks you get are all really nice and good. The progression, you know, like the are little like role playing elements of it are brilliant. It's just they went too hard and they were traversing, which makes it like, why? You know, I've played, I think I've played every single Doom, you know, and it, it wasn't unrelated to 2016. There was a little bit of traversing in that, not to this extent, not to this extent in Eternal. But, you know, mm. but I just like, you know, I don't think it's going to be on my top 10 of the year. And I've played other games that are better. And I think also the length of it is about 12 hours long. And it's just, mm-hmm. with the amount of traversing you have to do, it just outstays. It's welcome, you know, too long. They've tried to mitigate it. But like I said, I don't know what how arbitrary, what criteria you have to satisfy to get you push ahead with your traverse and get your suit, you know. I'm not sure. So, but yeah, it's not, I can't recommend it, unlike the first one. If you've won a good Doom game on modern consoles, do play the first one, 2016. It is really good. Um, So, those of the games are completed. I've started a couple, I'll start, I started one. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's Diablo-esque. It's um, called Adventures of Van Helsing. Um, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I've heard of it. Yeah. Never never played yeah. it, but I've heard of it. Yeah, so I've started that with my brother. Um, that's a fun little game. Um, the online play is really good, really solid. The shooting aspect is really good. The progression system is very good. Um, you feel that the weapons are doing a lot of damage. Um, and as you wander around, you've also got some spectre with you that you can also improve. You know, there's a lot of banter in play. Um, probably at the beginnings of that, but that is a really solid game. Um, I'd have to play it a bit more before I can fully recommend it. But yeah, Diablo-esque. Um, is it an actual role-playing call it or something? Um, that's fun. And then I've gone back to Horizon Chase Zero. Um, that's that's great. Great little car game. Um, played a little bit more. Gone back to Bad Tale 2 from... 1986 on Game Pass and Phoenix still playing that 
So yeah, games played and games completed. Quite a lot. Quite a lot. Yep. Uh, all right, Nick. Hi. Tell us about the wild and wacky world of virtual reality. Do you remember when, when you were? Uh, did you ever watch Tomorrow's World when you were younger? Was that still on TV? Tomorrow's World. Remember when I was when I was a kid? As Tomorrow's World was still a thing. It was like the BBC show of like it was before BBC Click. Um, <laughs> be- be- yeah, before Click on the on the the BBC news channel, they had a show called Tomorrow's World where it was like, look at all the crazy, wacky, upcoming future technology. I probably saw um, some iteration of it looking at it. It's it's brilliant because it was like a long running TV show, and so you can go onto the BBC archives YouTube channel and find segments from like Tomorrow's World episodes in the seventies, and it's and it's. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of what's kind of wild. Uh, I don't know. Do you ever remember? So yeah, that, virtual reality. Oh, sorry. Do you ever remember a Osborne book of the future? Osborne publishers they had this book of the future they published in sorry the eighties or something. That book no. was amazing. I had a copy of that. They've re-released that book. It's got yeah. Um, it's on Amazon now. <laughs> it's a good book. I might have to pick it up. Um, okay. Like yeah. A wild concept of the future, what the future would be. Forward by futurologist. Futurologists. <laughs> um. So you got a VR headset. I did a VR slash AR headset. I think it's they're calling it MR now. Mixed reality instead of right. AR. Okay. I don't know why. But yeah. I don't know. Ask the Zuck. Well, tell um, us about your experience. Yeah, um, I still need to play play with it a hundred percent a lot, to be honest. But I will give you first impressions. So, first impressions, um, Meta really need to work on their default band, um, the headband, the headband, mm. like this thing is shit. Oh really? This is horrible, completely awful. It's like a jock strap. It does. That looks it? different to the one on the <laughs> on the uh, <laughs> Quest Two. <laughs> so this is yeah. Um, this so this is this is terrible podcast material right now. But this, this was this section was the back, and to adjust for your head, you need to like like a baseball cap. Do this. Um, and then to adjust how far for no, it's the exact same. Just imagine that's like that, and then yeah, it's the same. Yeah, but uh, the, this one doesn't have those weird suspenders between the top strap yeah. and the back strap. Which which bit? The bit where it goes into a Y. The Y bit. Yeah, I think yeah, the weird yeah. suspenders. Yeah, yeah, it's just weird, isn't it? Is that so you can fit your ponytail through? <laughs> this for. <laughs> Making bigger and smaller the backband. All right. Well, th- th- yeah, this is the standard one uh, on the Meta huh. Quest Two, and uh, I've had absolutely no problems with this at all. So, and I have a gigantic head. So I like played... it's difficult for me to buy hats. So I played with this for uh, <laughs> about two hours, and then uh, got on Amazon and ordered this, which is so much more comfy. 
Um, and it was only about 20 quid as well. So, you know, can't complain. Anyway, yeah, um, basically, moral of the story is uh, if you're getting a quest or getting someone that you know a quest, um, please also buy them a different head strap band strap. thing. Yeah, get rid of the jock strap. You can just, like, one sec. <laughs> do that with it um so yeah that's that's one thing i would say um so MetaQuest 3 uh is different to the MetaQuest 2 uh in a couple of areas so first of all the screens are more high res um mm-hmm. based than the quest 2 it gives more sharpness obviously you know more res more pixel density the better the picture quality is going to be number two is they have pancake lenses instead of flat screens which the quest 2 has so in theory, so the lenses are uh, more like eyeballs and give off a better peripheral vision than flat screens do. Third, uh, it features cameras on the front, which means that you can it can do pass-through. So you can see the real world while you're playing games, so you don't bump into things. Uh, but also it can do things like pop... Um, things in your frame of reference and you can move stuff around and put things in the room and things like that which is pretty cool mm-hmm. um so i have played a variety of games for a little bit of time using the quest um i've played some a tennis game randomly i was like okay. what, what can i what can i play so i i thought oh i could play some tennis so i i searched the quest store for uh, a tennis game and got a 30 minute free trial of a tennis game and you know what it was pretty cool um like you know picking the tennis racket up it put you in a stadium and everything really good really immersive uh that was great um Beat Saber, of course, because, you know, it's kind of like a rule of if you buy a VR headset, you kind of have to buy Beat Saber as well. Um, Is it hard? Every time I've seen footage of people playing Beat Saber, it looks impossibly hard. So much like Guitar Hero, um, there are different levels for the tracks. So you can start with easy and then work your way up to medium hard expert. Um, If you download unofficial maps on beat saber um you need to just check which whether they have different uh difficulty settings because a lot of them just do it for expert um but there are also quite a few for you know that trap track out a easy and medium for you so um i've definitely not got past medium yet on anything so it's probably one of those that you're just gonna have to work up to and and play around with to get better get good um but yeah it's it's a lot of fun um you know who doesn't like whacking shit with lightsabers basically to the tunes that you enjoy listening to as well so yeah can't complain what's the one that i played um oh i can't remember what it's called now it's like a rhythm action game but you're like uh shooting people and dodging bullets in time of the super music kind of like uh, no no it's 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 like if you mix super hot with a rhythm action game oh okay uh, uh <sighs> hey, this is gonna annoy the hell out of me 
Oh, just keep talking. I'll find it. Fair. Um, See, so yeah, I played some Beat Saber. That's really cool. Um, I also played some uh, Tetris in VR. Tetris Effect Connected. Ooh. What a trippy experience. Um, I really like playing Tetris anyway. It's really... Um, what's the word? What is the word for Tetris? Oh, the game's called Pistol Whip, by the way. Oh. Pistol Whip. It's like super hot VR, but a rhythm action game. Pist- uh, uh, super hot VR, by the way, is also something you absolutely have to play. Yep. Fucking incredible. Um, yeah, Tetris. I find Tetris yeah, really Tetris. soothing. Like, especially with mm-hmm. Tetris effect, the music and everything, all the effects, it's really yeah. uh, trippy, but you just get sucked into it. It's trippy enough in 2D. I haven't experienced it in VR yet. Uh, I'm so kind of cool. scared. It's cool. It's really good, especially when like mm. all the colors change and you you, you float, you fly into it, into the board, and then it sort of moves yep. through to the next one. It's really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just looking on Steam now. It's in the Steam sale, uh, half price. It is. I was very tempted to pick up because there's like the bundle and it's like that, res... Oh, is it uh, Res? Luminez. Well? Yeah, and Res plays in VR. Luminez, I don't know if it does. Um, yeah. Well, I got the. I, I only played the like the trial on the Quest Store, and that was enough to make me think, yeah, I need to get, like, I need to have this for real. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's super cool. Um, I've, like, finished the trial, and I wanted to go back for more. So that is definitely an interesting. Um, experience to have i think um but yeah one of the main reasons um which will probably come as no surprise to any um any of our regular listeners one of the main reasons i got a vr headset was not really for all the other games but it was mostly for sim racing (laughs) as as most things happen um so of course i had to uh boot it up and play some assetto corsa competizione um by the way, like th- I was really naive when I like booted um I I got the USB-C cable and plugged it into my computer and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to do this and it'll just connect and I'll click into it and it'll be away. What a faff. Um to be fair, it's not a faff, <laughs> it's just that I should have read the I was going to say read read the instructions, but there isn't really any instructions for how to use your quest with pc so it turns out you have to boot steam up in you have to download steam vr yes and then boot uh, steam vr up and then it'll you'll be in then steam you also VR. need the oculus software or meta software whatever they're calling it now on your pc as well yeah so i knew that I, did it. I knew about that so i'd got that installed and download downloaded it- and installed and then i th- and then i hooked it up and then I was. What's the in... software called now? Um, it was it was Oculus, Oculus back just when Oculus. I... Still called Oculus, okay. Yeah. Um. So I got that up, hooked it together, and then I went into put the headset on, and I went into this world grid world, nothing apart from my big monitor, and I could see my PC monitor. I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. So then I went using the controllers. I went to Steam. And I was like, okay, I'm I can see Steam. So if I just start Assetto Corsa, it'll just start in VR and it'll all work. That's not what happened. It started in like a 2D screen floating. 
Um, so yeah, it took me a while to realize that I needed to install Steam VR via Steam, mm-hmm. open Steam VR, and mm-hmm. then from inside Steam VR, open Assetto Corsa, and it'd be in VR. Yes. Yeah. It's a little bit of a faff, I feel like but you get used. You get used to it. Yeah, I feel like I maybe could have watched a YouTube video or something that would have just told me all of that. But I just yeah. thought, no, this is just going to work. But it didn't. Basically. No, it's it's uh it's not as intuitive as you'd hope it would be. No. But I guess but because you are it's not... you're asking a, a a meta yes hardware to connect to another company's software. That's what I was about to say. If it, I imagine PC. the Valve Index or whatever it's called works a lot more out of the box with Steam VR. Yeah, if you want to spend nine hundred quid on it, <laughs> I'm all right. Um, so yeah, Seto Corsa is it's it's a Seto Corsa, but in in VR. Um, it's really cool being in these cockpits. I've spent so much of my time in. Uh, I'm I can look around them and pretend to poke buttons and uh, yeah, hang out the window. Um, stick twos up at someone as I'm overtaking them. It's really cool. Yeah, like literally, I did that. Um, mm. First first thing I did was obviously uh as as all people do go and do a race at spa uh yep. down the kemmel straight blasting past someone uh, um just like <laughs> waving twos at them but of course they couldn't see me because i wasn't really waving twos i was just going uh, at my computer on my mm-hmm. wall um i found um Graphically, it's not the best racing game in VR that I've played. Like Project Cars Two looks much better, but Assetto Corsa Competizione was made by like five people, yeah, uh, and maybe a few more than that, but not a lot of people. It's a very small team, uh, and uh, VR was sort of just like an add-on at the end. So I'm not going to complain about that. I think it looks pretty good. Um, it looks pretty good until you've played another racing game in VR, and you're like, oh, okay, Fair. this looks a lot better. Um. What I found most beneficial, though, is just like uh, uh, even just aside from the immersion, which is incredible. Like once you've got your seat, like the camera position correctly, um, and you can you can look around, and it, it just makes maneuvering so much easier when you can just literally glance either side and see where the cars are, as well as having your spotter there. Um, was that I found controlling the car, uh, certain aspects of controlling the car easier in VR than I did out of. VR like cars that I would struggle a car I'd have the same car same track same setup and outside of VR I'd struggle with like understeer and things like that but in VR I was able to compensate a lot more for it yeah um, um if that makes sense yeah no definitely I think I've still I've not had enough time with it yet to exactly see what it improves in that regard but uh it was definitely interesting just being able just being able to judge better where you are instead of relying on the radar as much to see if you pass Mm. a car just like glancing to your right because i would never normally do that on because the because the controls and the way that racing games are when you are just in like you know one screen it's sometimes very hard to look in the mirrors and all, especially if you want to look completely outside the right hand window mm-hmm. to see if you passed a car, you just kind of use your judgment and the radar a lot of the time. Whereas now it's just like a quick glance to the right, actually looking yep. at the car and you can see you've blasted past it. So you're fine to go. Mm. 
Um, so that's really cool. Truck Simulator is really good. Yes, in, um, I want to as well. Um, yeah, yeah, I can imagine that's really good. Because uh, you yeah. can actually look left and right at <laughs> junctions. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what else it can do. I've got a whole host of um, VR-ish games on my wish list that I'm going to pick up mm. this sale. Um, I want to get the Star Trek Bridge Commander. Oh, bridge yeah. Crew, whatever it's called. Star Trek Bridge Crew, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I want to get that. Um, keep talking, nobody explodes, obviously. I know you don't have to play that in VR, but I feel like it's going to... No, but it's, it's, in v- it's non-VR. Very f- it's it's much cooler in VR, I, th- I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if anyone's got any VR suggestions for me... Um, hit Half-Life me. Alex. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Half-Life Alex. Vader's uh, um, Quest. Um, what's what's that, Andy? The Vader's Quest. That's meant to be pretty good. Vader Quest. Yeah, Star Wars. There's a Star Wars Darth Vader. Game. Oh yeah, that sort of like, yeah, that experience. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of stuff that I've been interested in, like the uh, La Noir VR uh, quests. Um. The sniper elite VR stuff, uh, but I've got the I've got the Batman one. Yeah, I've got that uh, one already. In my got that off a humble bundle. I haven't tried that out yet. Um, I've got uh, tethered, which is good. Moss uh, is supposed to be very good. I bought a job simulator in the Steam sale, uh, so looking forward to playing that. There's a lot of good VR games out there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to. Um diving into them and figuring out what's cool i'm looking I, I'm, i've been keeping an eye out for like a good uh like vr multiplayer shooter that we could all play them um but i, I don't know what's good i haven't, I haven't done enough in, i haven't i don't know haven't done enough research yet but that could be quite fun yeah um i was just looking do you remember when everyone was really excited about um Star Wars Squadrons. Yep. It's yep. now £1.74 in the Steam sale. <sighs> that's a good VR game. Is it £1.74? Yeah, that's good fun. Good. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It probably is, yeah. It might be free. Yeah, actually. no, it's, it it's decent. Free. It's, it's, well, it's free on... Um, it's free on on EA Access if you've got a Game Pass subscription, yeah. of course. Uh, uh, but it's... Uh, yeah, it's, it's a decent... Um, it's a decent game. Yeah. The campaign is, I mean, that's, that's more than worth uh, paying just for the campaign and the multiplayer is good fun. Uh, and it's, 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 it's actually easier to, uh, from what I understand, it's easier to play in VR than it is out. Like you, you'd be more effective in combat because you can, you're more aware of your surroundings. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Flight simulator. It's a big old download, but it's worth it's worth checking out. It is. Um, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. So much. Um, anything else? Uh, nothing else I haven't already talked about, really. I'm sort of... I'm going through the phase of trying to mop up a few extra things to decide where things are going to fall in my game of the year. Yeah. So I'm just that's trying fair. to... I'm sort of revisiting a few games that I kind of parked for a bit and trying to finish other ones that... Are gonna mm. be up there. 
Okay. Um, I'll very quickly run through what I've been playing. Uh, there hasn't really been much since we last talked um, the other week uh, about um, what I've been playing. I haven't really been playing anything new. Apart from uh, Football Manager 2024, um, I haven't fallen out of love with it yet. I'm sure I will. I fell out of love with Football Manager 2023 because the match engine uh, had some problems and I'm sure they fixed it, but by the time they did, I'd already given up on the game, and so I stopped playing it. But 2024 seems good. Um, they've completely revamped how, um, like, uh, setting up set pieces works. Uh, so it's a lot more intuitive um, than it has been before. And there's lots of other tweaks. You know, they make hundreds and hundreds of little tweaks under the hood and whatnot. Um had a little problem with um and from looking on the internet lots of other people did as well had problems with like injuries uh if you're playing like a high intensity tactic playing like a gag and press or something like that um problems with like lots and lots of players getting injured uh, i i don't know whether they've either fixed that or i've managed to mitigate that by when i took when i took on the job um at Newcastle, I sacked the entire backroom staff, including all of the medical staff or all the physios, and brought in all new people um, who are better at their jobs. And so far, I haven't had many injury problems. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe maybe it was just Newcastle's got terrible physios, and that's why I had loads of problems on my first attempt. But... um. <laughs> So far, it's so good. So far, it's so, you know, it's football manager. Like, what can you say? Uh, they make incremental changes every year. Um, it's not a lot, not a huge amount, a lot to say. Um, and the only other thing I've been playing is, you know, last week we were talking about the downfall of Destiny and how it may, they may have just, like, it, it may, it, it may be over already before we know. And the final DLC is just going to be uh, uh, formality and the franchise is dead. So me and, you know, people who would be playing Destiny together, we've been talking about, like, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to play afterwards? What's going to be our social game? What's going to scratch that itch? Uh, and various games have come up, you know, Diablo and stuff like that. Uh, but um, we're talking about The Division 2. Oh. Uh, and it's in a Steam sale, so picked it up. I downloaded it, played a little bit on my lunch break, and um, yeah, I mean it's still good. It's it's different to uh, Destiny. It's more it it plays more like a Diablo game, um, in that you're like you know you, you you're running um, the same you're you're running uh, missions and and dungeons and stuff like that over and over again for better loot drops to optimize your builds in in a way that's way more granular way more diablo diablo like than uh destiny is um the difference is the shooting doesn't feel anywhere near as good but it's a really solid like third person cover shooter as well even if you don't fully engage in the like the diablo side of the game it's just a like a really solid um cover shooter third person cover shooter uh it's good fun uh i really like the setting it's got it came bundled with the warlords of 
New York DLC, which got very uh, well reviewed. I never played it before when I had it on PS4. Um, I never picked up that DLC on there. It was supposed to be really good, and I really liked the the setting of the original, uh, the division. I don't. I'm not saying I dislike being in Washington DC for the second one at all, but like the New York in the winter was just like such an iconic setting for yep. the first game. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, jumped back into that and and, and having fun with it. Um, but no, that's about it. That's, that's about all I played that's new, apart from. So I've been fucking about with stuff on Apple Arcade. Uh, downloaded a bunch of new games. I downloaded a game called Hill Climb, which is just a very stupid thing where, like, you you have like a it's like it's like driving quop. Um, you have a car with a you have a brake pedal and a gas pedal, uh, a, a, and you're accelerating and braking and like driving this car across this two D environment. And at any point, if you give it too much brake or too much gas, you can flip over on the hill. And then he runs over. Um, it feels like a really old, like flash game from the nineties. It feels like it, but it's I don't know. It's fun. I kind of like it. Um, there's a an updated version of Downwell. If you ever played that game, yeah, um, yeah. Downwell Plus is now on uh, Apple Arcade, and I've also been playing the um, Apple Arcade version Plus version of uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. <laughs> Because why the fuck not? Fair. But yeah, that's about it. That's about all I've been playing. Um, like you, I've been just tidying up and revisiting some games that I have already talked about previously. Uh, in while well, I try and figure out my order for the game of the year, because it's going to be a difficult one. It's going to be. Dif- you think it's going to be difficult? Yeah. Yeah. I've got my double one already. It is. I've, I mean, I, I know what my number one is, but there's like four games fighting for number two. Here's the thing, right? Ooh. Here is here is the thing. Mm-hmm. In any other year, right? Okay, let's just let's just consider this, right? <laughs> this is me. We're talking about here, me, right? I am me. We all know about me. Yes. Is this the time and place for this conversation? I'm just gonna say I'm uh, I'm just okay. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna te- say anything or give anything away, but consider this: me being me, mm-hmm. the year that you being the weird little freak that you are, the year that a sequel to Alan Wake comes out, which is yeah better yeah. than the original game, and it still uh-huh. might not be my game uh, of the year. Yeah. Ooh. Imagine mm. that. I know. But then Starfield did leave quite an impression on you, so it's to be expected. Just can't get enough of it. Has Alan Wake 2 been a success? I would Uh, say. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, I imagine it has been. I mean, it's like open critics in the 90s. Yeah, Yeah, but like sales success. I don't know. haven't seen any sales numbers or anything. It's it's digital only, isn't it? There's There's no physical copy of it. No, but it's also not full price, right? Uh, I don't know. We'll find out. Anyway. Um, yeah, stay tuned for our Game of the Year episodes coming in the not-too-distant future. I don't know what... We've, have, we, have we got any other episodes between... Well, we will have between now yeah, and then. We said we're going to oh, do yeah. 8-bit 
Christmas. We're going to do it. Oh, yeah. We've still got to do our Christmas movie episode. So look out for that. Um, in the meantime, gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you, as always. Uh, thank you, dear listener, for listening to this uh, for us fairly short episode. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll catch you on the next one. Ta-ra! Bye. See ya.